Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be representing the Toronto Blue Jays at the Home Run Derby. He even got going early yesterday with a uh, a long ball to win the game. Full shush mode, as full shush mode, as Sean LeComber puts. I'm loving that. It's kind of by the way. It I love that too, and it's kind of cool to see, especially with. Now that we know there will be zero Blue Jays starters in the All-Star game. Boy, it sure worked, eh? All the Blue Jays fans who were like, stop voting people who don't deserve it in. And then the entire Texas Rangers are now the starters. <laughs> yeah, you know, I honestly, I felt bad for Bo and all of this because it felt mm-hmm. like, I don't know if it was Blue Jays fans stop voting or every other fan base was like, we can't let the Blue Jays, this is a joke. This is where, a little what a little of both, I think. No. Yeah. And everybody came out in force. So I feel bad because Bo deserved to be a starter. Like Corey Seeger. Corey Seeger is a deserving all-star, but I he will also missed say a month. This, I was just going to say he's played 60% of the games that Bo has. And Bo's numbers are far better. But so I shouldn't say. Whatever. Far better. I mean, he did play an extra month of baseball, but uh, yeah. So Vladdy representing the Blue Jays at the Home Run Derby. Lots of people are on the fence, whether they like it, whether they don't like it. We won't spend too much time on this, but uh, I'm a fan. How about you, bud? Uh, Yeah. I, I mean, the most exciting news I saw all month, I would say. The, the yeah. Vladdy, uh, the Vladdy Derby in 2019 was maybe the most fun I've had watching baseball related events. Um, cause your daughter see, got into it with you, right? She like got into just it watching with him oh, yeah. hit bombs. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, didn't realize what a home run derby was. I think at that point she was, but she was just excited and I was excited and yeah, it's the most fun I've had since the, uh, the Donaldson Batista days and the the big bat flip, I would say. So there's a bunch of folks who are worried that this is going to mess with his swing. I fucking hope it does. Out. That's where I'm at too. <laughs> Honestly, it worst case scenario, Adam. He comes out and is hitting like he is right now. Right? <laughs> like right. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. No, that's why I wanted him in the the derby, right? Was uh, exactly get that swing going, fix that trajectory, whatever it is. Plus, he is Mr. Sociability. You know, he's going to be there with all of his Dominican buddies and all of his all star friends, and he's going to be the bell of the ball and Mr. Talkative. It's going to be a fun weekend for him. What if he doesn't hit a single home run in the derby? Just nonstop ground outs. What if? The Pittsburgh Pirates win the World Series. Let's just <laughs> make a list. Uh, no, I honestly don't think that there's any way that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. does anything but compete heartily. And uh, 
Worst case scenario, he's knocked out in the first round. And I still think it's going to be a good performance from him. So we'll see how that goes. All right, everybody. Hold on. Do we have an exhaustive list of Derby contestants? Uh, All that I have seen is J-Rod and Mookie. So that's cool. Hello and welcome to the walk-off, everybody. I'm Scott Belford, joined as always by the best co-host in the biz. This is our Friday flagship show, and we got all sorts of things to talk about. The Jays and the Giants, a big series win against San Francisco. We'll break that down. Adam has your three studs and a dud for the week. We will get into Trevor Richards, the savior, the Ross Stripling, if you will, of 2023 monster contracts we know darn well Shohei Otani the biggest free agent on the market is going to be due for a big one at the end of the season so we will talk monster contracts and how successful that rate is and how good of an idea it is for an organization Ross Atkins speaks it's always just a joy to hear the GM front office speak out of that man's mouth. We will break down the most important things that we kind of took from what he said. And finally, we will look ahead to the week in front of us. The Sox are our opponents, both the, both the red and the white. All right, buddy, let's get into it. A first, uh, a quick little plug here for our live show. We are dead set on uniting alberta blue jays fans of course we had our first live show in calgary last week it was a ton of fun great to meet some of the you uh the grounds crew you know that have your internet little taglines what are what do you call them your 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 names adam help me out here i know you know what i'm talking about i'm gonna let you just just blow in the wind eh? blow in the wind this is great Usernames? Uh, Usernames. There you go. That's, I mean. (laughs) Your little, your little tagline. Your little thingies. Your little little thingies. Yeah, no, but it was cool to actually meet people in person. And we're doing it again in Edmonton. Long Roof Brewing in two weeks. Get your tickets now. The code is walkoff to join us for a night of Blue Jays talk, comedy, and giveaways. By the way, July 13th. There is no Blue Jays game. So we are providing you that baseball you need, that daily baseball you need. Come on out. Walk off is the code to get five bucks off. All right, let's get into it. 45 and 37. This team is now eight games above 500. Three series wins in a row. In fact, the last three series, they have lost the first game and then won the next two to take them. The Miami Marlins, a team with a better record than the Blue Jays, they took them. Yes, the Oakland Athletics, everyone was disappointed. They didn't get the sweep, but then they went in. San Francisco comes to town, another very good team, right on par with about where the Blue Jays are ranked. And they take two or three, man. Uh, Six out of six and three out of their last nine games. Despite how it happened, we're happy, right? Yeah, yeah. I know the I know the fact they haven't found their offense yet is it it's tough to hang your hat on last night's win where they had three hits. Like they won a game with three hits yesterday. 
hey, that was what we spent all offseason building was a defensive juggernaut, right? We got rid of Lourdes. We got rid of Tay Oscar. We said, let's bring in some gold glove candidates. Let's win games with three hits at a time. Well, it's working. That's playoff baseball. I think it is safe to say that it is a defensive and pitching juggernaut currently. Yeah, this I mean, team, pitching has really carried us. Pitching is, has done all the heavy lifting for this team and outfield defense. They're 16 and 10 in the month of June, which, by the way, I know it doesn't feel like it. That is tied with the Tampa Bay Rays for the best record in the American League, 16 and 10. It's a pretty darn good month. Chris Bassett with a huge night last night, breaking his MLB career record, 12 strikeouts record for strikeouts, 12 strikeouts. Who would have thought that we'd be talking about Chris Bassett tying Kevin Gosman's 12 strikeouts that he had just a couple days ago. Must have been facing a bunch of righties yesterday, hey? So this is, that's what you would think. The other, the other, which is true, by the way, it is true. It wasn't a lefty heavy lineup. His splits do definitely benefit um, right-handed lineups for the Jays. But Kirk is back. As his battery mate, and I'm honestly just so glad that Chris Bassett isn't calling his own games anymore. So these stats I'm about to give you are a little muddy because of the fact that Chris Bassett calls his own games. So it's kind of tough to blame the catcher for when he is the one making the calls. However, Alejandro Kirk, when he is behind the dish and he is his regular battery mate up until he was injured, Bassett has a ERA of 1.6 and is giving up a slash line to hitters of a buck 49 for the batting average, 260 for the on base, and then a slug of 244. It is very impressive what he is doing with Kirk. Heineman is a 7.36 ERA and Jansen a 10.29. Again. Bassett just stopped calling all his own games, but I think there is a comfortability there with Kirk that goes a long ways, right? You're, you're new to an organization and, and you get used to one guy. And obviously with time, he's probably going to settle in with all of the catchers. I think that's what the Blue Jays organization would most like is not a pitcher to rely on any one catcher, but it is good to see that there is a uh, chemistry between those two. Chris Bassett uh, called his recent failures somewhat a beautiful thing. So he says that he's in a much better place now with pitch calling and is thrilled that that is off his plate. And Adam, we have talked about this so much over the three-year span of this podcast, which is how difficult it is to call a good game as a catcher. Yep. Takes experience. Takes doing Years. it. Years, man. What's Joe Siddle say? Five years before he was able to call a good game? Yeah. Think about that. I just... When it comes to Chris Bassett, it made all the sense in the world when he first came over to the organization. 
action to call his own games with the pitch clock, having eight pitches. But now that the catchers have had some time to get an idea of what makes him comfortable on the mound, the game plan that he prefers, how he likes, what pitches he likes to pitch off of, right? And I'm just so glad that we're at this point. Because Chris Bassett, he's he's got the ability to be the number the number two or three in the starting rotation. We've seen him be absolutely unhittable since joining this team. And I think just the less on his plate, the less he has to think about. And I think that goes for almost every pitcher out there, the better. Look at what Yusei Kikuchi has done this season with the pitch clock and just speeding him up and getting him out of his own head. So I think it's it's a really good thing that Kirk is back and healthy i think it's great that there's that chemistry between him and bassett and i think it's fantastic bassett no longer is putting calling games uh on his responsibility plates so there you go well bichette's hit streaks over still pretty good though still pretty good you got to give him a pass on this one (laughs) gotta give him a pass 13 13 game hitting streak comes to an end yesterday why wouldn't it? They had three freaking hits yesterday. I still can't believe they won that game on three hits, man. Yeah. Uh, Bobachet, by the way, eight errors on the season. He's on pace for 16. Mm-hmm. There were 16 shortstops with eight or more errors, or sorry, 16 or more errors last season. So he is officially on pace for an average defensive season, Scott. Yes. Oh, my God. I would that would be the prediction that I made in the offseason. I'm happiest with if it if it comes true. Mm-hmm. Because my goodness, Bobachet is an average shortstop, sure makes this team pretty darn deadly. Uh, did you catch that ninth inning yesterday? Jordan Romano. Is that the one that uh sorry, my games are all blurring into a mess now. Matt Chapman error to first base. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. And then uh Santiago Espinal completely bails out Alejandro Kirk too. completely bails out Matt Chapman, completely bails out Jordan Romano catching the guy stealing second base with one out in the ninth. I mean, number one, incredible throw by Kirky incredible catch on the short hop by Espinal. And then the spinning twist to get the tag on man, this defense on the team 2023 compared to 2022. Honestly, dude, it is night and day better. Yeah. Night and day better. Right. Uh, I was just digging up this meme that uh, Joel sent and it's, it's, uh, oh, yeah. I made that. Here. Oh, you said, <laughs> oh, sorry. I don't want to give Joel credit for something you made. Very well done, then, Scott. Very well yeah, done. Right? I'm, so, I'm bad with memes, but I threw that no, together. This, yeah. It's one of your better ones. This is great. <laughs> uh, Romano loves doing things the hard way. Man, and it, it's it's frustrating because boy oh boy, this this Blue Jays fan base gets on him and acts like he's not an elite closer, although all of his numbers shows he is. And I've made this comparison. Leads baseball before. and saves. He leads baseball and saves. You look at his numbers since twenty twenty one. I mean, if you're sitting here saying he's not an elite closer, you're just wrong. The numbers just don't back that up. I'm so sorry. I understand the feeling that he's not an elite closer because he makes us sweat it out. Every single time. In fact, I saw a guy on Twitter, a friend of the show. uh, He reaches out all the time. I'm going to forget his name here. Irrelevant. Okay. I should have just kept going with the momentum that I had carried. 
as soon as I try and use my memory, it's just a slippery slope here, Adam. Uh, anyways, somebody tweeted out. He's like, this reminds me of 2020 Rafael Dolis. Yes, he gets it done eventually, but boy, oh boy, do we sweat. And that's pretty much exactly how you feel, right? Is this year Romano has been getting it done. He does lead baseball in saves, but who he'll make you sweat. He reminds me of the old adage from hockey that a two-goal lead is the hardest lead to defend. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like, which yeah. never made sense to me as a kid. I always hated that expression. I was yeah. like, no, one-goal leads are way harder. Right? Yeah. But yeah, with Romano, I, I feel so much more confident with him coming in and a one-run lead than I do with if a two-run no wiggle room. Lead. No wiggle room. Jordan Romano is unbeatable. Yeah, three as soon up, as you three got some wiggle down, room, he's going to make sure that you get to the point where there is no wiggle room. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know I've made the comparison before, but it reminds me of Grant Fuhrer on those 80s Edmonton teams, right? Where it's just yep. like, yeah, he could win a 2-1 game. But he also, if 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 your team, if the Oilers scored seven goals, yeah. he's going to allow six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay, well, let's move on to three studs and a dud because it was a pretty darn good week. So I'm excited to see who your studs are. Yeah, studs this week. Uh, honorable mention to Mr. Bobachet. We'll start with that one. Uh, Bobachet hit 346 this week with an OPS of 846. Zero home runs, two RBIs. Hit streak came to an end, but still a pretty good week for Bobachet. I love that he's hitting 346 this week and honorable mention. You know, it was kind of a weird week because we didn't have any really dud worthy performances, but we also didn't really have three like major mind blowing studs either. Like it was Mm kind of just a, a full team effort as unsexy as that is. But stud number three this week, Mr. Yusei Kikuchi, believe it or not. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi pitched seven innings, eight strikeouts, uh, just the one earned run. Yusei Kikuchi, stud number three. Any gripes with that so far, Scott? No. Love that. Right. Uh, Stud number two, George Springer. Hey. I think this is his first appearance in the studs and duds. Yes. So. Never been bad enough to be a dud, never good enough to be a stud. So welcome exactly. to the fold, George exactly. Springer. George Springer hit 364 this week. You had eight for 22, an OPS of 1014. Uh, pretty darn good week for him. George Springer, I got to say, I don't know who gets credit for this. But he is playing a lot of games. I don't know if that's John Schneider that gets credit for that. Ross Atkins. Someone in the khakis. We're now 82 games into the season. He's played 76 games. 66 in right field. Love it. That's a lot lot of games. for A lot of games. Mr. George Springer. His previous career high... In games played, we played every single game in 2016, 162. His next highest career was the season after he played 140 in 2017 and 2018. 
And he's on if, pace to break that this year. If season. he's on pace to, to play 150 games for this team, even if it's in right field for 130 and DHing for 20, man, is that ever a win? I know his numbers haven't been like eye popping off the charts offensively so far this year, but also like he's like a Brandon Belt. Like we need him for October more than we yes. need him for April and May. So and I'm fine was... if he's hitting 270 right now. This was the whole goal of moving him to right field was to get more playing time out of him. The whole off season where they went out and got Kevin Kiermeyer and Dalton Varsho to make sure there was no scenario in which George Springer would need to play center field because they truly believed it would allow him on the field more often and allow him the opportunity to stay healthy. And so far, so good. So there you go. Just wanted to bring little attention to that fact that, like you said, that was the plan in the offseason, and uh, so far, so good. I mean, knock on wood, but we're, we're getting lots of playing time out of George Springer. I was actually a little bit blown away when I realized uh, how few games he's missing. Yeah. So that's uh, a very good thing. All right, that's uh, wow. That actually just—I'm sorry, man. That just no. blew my mind. Seventy-six out of eighty-two games. Like he's playing. What does that break down to? Ninety percent of the first half. That's incredible. Basically, yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that he's on pace for 150 games, even if 20 of those are at DH. I mean, yeah, spectacular. Ooh. We'll take that. What a win for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. That has to be a. For anybody that's like critical of the Lourdes Gurriel and the Teoscar departures, can you just factor in 150 games from George Springer? Again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I, I understand projections don't always pan out, but he's on pace for 150. If this holds, can that be a part of the calculation on whether this was a win or not? Because George Springer for 150 as opposed to I believe it was 130 we got from him last season. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's big time. That's massive. That is big time. It uh, it means the goals of this front office are panning out. Which yep. there you go. Okay, uh, stud number one. Top stud. Top stud of the week. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Hey, some love for Vladdy. I love it. I think he's been number one stud before, but it was like pretty early in April yes. when that was happening. Uh, he hit 364 as well this week, but had an OPS of 1349 thanks to three home runs. The power's back. Three home runs, nine RBIs, uh, full shush mode for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Good to see. I mean, if this is the start of something magical, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's all lining up perfectly as they are now in the softer part of the season. They, of course, face the Sox, the red and the white, and then the Detroit Tigers before the All-Star break. And then Vladdy's going to go in there to the home run derby. I mean, it's all lining up 
for Vladdy to have a big second half, and I am here for it, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, your dud of the week this week. This one, again, there wasn't too many bad performances. Uh, I mean, Dalton Varsho hit 167. Whit Merrifield mm-hmm. hit 174. This one, maybe you're going to argue with me. Jordan Romano. There. No, no, no. Two, sa- I mean, two he, save opportunities. Yeah. He, he, he didn't blow either one. He got two saves. Um, He had the biggest ERA of any one of our pitchers this week, 7.71. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I know for bullpen pitchers, that's not the, always the best measurement. He also had the worst whip, 1.29 of any of our bullpen arms. Only got two strikeouts. Uh, in his two outings, his hard hit rate is ugly too. Over the last, he was hit, he was hit hard. Gave up three hits on ten batters faced. Uh, it's just again, he's kind of the victim of a week where there weren't too many stinkers. You know, no one in our starting pitchers went out for two innings and and gave up seven runs. No one in our bullpen really imploded, but. At seven well, ERA from from your closer, that's that's unacceptable. He got it done, but yeah, it was not pretty, and you feel like you're playing with fire when he's performing like this. Because sure, you're getting saves and you're locking it down, but a it's seven just, ERA is it sustainable, will catch up right? with you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, <laughs> seven ERA, uh, a little too close for comfort. Anyways, Jordan Romano, your dud of the week. There you go. Three studs and a dud. Your week 13 awards. So now let's take our attentions to arguably the stud of the year for the Toronto Blue Jays. Trevor Richards is, I mean, it's literally mind blowing what this dude is doing. You look at the American league strikeout rate leaders right now. And Felix Batista leads the way with Baltimore at 50%. Matt Brash, Canadian kid with the Mariners is in at 40%. DeGrom and Brian Abreu are sitting at 38% each. And then Trevor Richards is next in all of baseball for strikeout rate leaders at 37%. Striking out more than one hitter an inning. It is absolutely insane what is going on with this, man. And if you look at strikeout rate leaders in Toronto Blue Jays history, number one is Ken Giles at 40%. Number two is Trevor Richards at 37%. And this is an organization that have had some pretty big and bad back end of the rotation relievers, guys like Dwayne Ward and Tom Hankey to see Trevor Richards (laughs) as the number two strikeout getter in Blue Jays history when it comes to the rate in which he's getting it is absolutely mind blowing, man. Like it is, it is blowing me away in so many things that he is doing, you know, like his, his MLB percentile rankings. Okay. Chase rate. He's at a 99 percentile. He's in the 99th percentile. K rate 97th and with 96. Like this is elite in baseball currently. 
In the Blue Jays' three bullpen games since Alec Manoa's demotion, Trevor Richards and Bowden Francis have combined for five earned runs over 18.1 innings pitched, an ERA of 2.43. Hey, he'll take that. And I mean, if you were to ask anyone in this fan base, do they feel there's any way we could have seen anything close to that out of Alec Manoa? I think the answer is obviously no. I mean, we saw what just happened to him at the Florida Complex League. So great saving season shit from Trevor Richards here. And I had a crazy idea. Okay. Listen, Trevor Richards has been stretched out more than he's ever been in his entire career. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Trade him straight across for Ross Rippling. There you go. Well, done. we're done with this topic. Next. All right, moving on. <laughs> no, but what I was going to say is very similar to how they stretched out Ross Stripling last season. Now that Trevor Richards is already at the point where he's throwing 65 pitches in a game, maybe you stretch him out to 80, 85 pitches. Maybe you just make him the pseudo fifth starter until something more sustainable comes along. Listen, it is going to cost way more than it should to go out and get a back end of the rotation starter on the trade market. And I don't know if there's anything out there that is going to give you better production than Trevor Richards. I'm well aware that this is going to remove a high leverage piece from the pen by bumping him up to being that pseudo fifth starter. And when I say pseudo fifth starter, I mean, you know what? He goes in, he pitches four or five innings. Maybe you, you do the piggyback with, with Francis again. But he's the guy, and he's just coming out every fifth day. You need, need to worry about innings increase. We've seen what innings increases has done to for guys within this organization, let alone around the league. And we have seen it happen uh, numerous times around the league from last season where innings increases, Sandy Alcantara, Alec Manoa, uh, you know, like there, there's some really good examples of those innings increases hurting these guys. And so you do need to keep that in mind with Trevor Richards. That said, uh, this season's an important one. And if Trevor Richards can be that guy every fifth start, and I'm not expecting him to be Chris Bassett and going seven, eight innings or anything insane. Can he give us four or five? That's what I'm after in that fifth starter. And I think he's the most viable option currently to be that guy. Is moving Trevor Richards, Adam, to the fifth starter, is that, I mean, it's a desperate move, but is that insane? I don't even know, man. I don't even know. How's that for an answer? <laughs> I mean, it's definitely above my pay grade. Certainly not qualified enough to say whether it's good or not. Do I like it? I don't like it. Oh, man. Well, if the alternative is trading a Elvis Martinez for a third starting pitcher who can help us now. I don't really want to do that. Like, really. even if it's a little bit lower of a prospect, let's say you can go out and get Rich Hill for Semro Burst. Like, I still that still doesn't excite me, you know? Like, you're just getting a Band-Aid guy to get you through. He probably isn't going to be on the playoff roster, and at least with Trevor Richards, you can set him back into the bullpen when you need him. 
I mean, I know it's a dangerous endeavor to yo-yo guys up and down between the rotation and the bullpen. We've seen it ruin careers. We've seen it ruin careers with the Blue Jays. Joe Biagini is a pretty good example. Who cares? It ain't my career. That's what I always say. (laughs) You do always say that. (laughs) He does always say that, folks. (laughs) Um, Here's my alternative. And I know you're going to shoot this down. For the league minimum, Madison Bumgarner. Mm-hmm. Roll him out there for a month. Give him like four starts. How bad can it be? I can be Alec Manoa bad. I... That's fine. It. I'm kind of at the point where I would rather have eighty percent winnable games. By that, I mean when Bassett's on the mound, when Barrios, Kikuchi, Gary Gossman are on the mound. That's as good a chance as we got to win. We might not win 8 out of 10. We might not go 4-1 and one every time through the rotation. But I don't like the idea of just depleting our bullpen to maybe get a shot at winning the fifth. Like, I don't like... I know it's like you shouldn't punt on games. I I get that. But also, whatever the alternative is, desperately chasing after a loss on the fifth day, sending Trevor Richards out there for four innings, Mm -hmm. and then kind of screwing ourselves for the other four star. I don't know. Just Trevor Richards could help us three times a week. And has been. (laughs) Or he can help us once a week. Yeah. I don't know. Grounds crew, let us know. Like, wh- what would you, what are your initial feelings hearing Trevor Richards stretched out, coming out, doing four or five innings every fifth start? Is that an insane idea? I, I, I am well aware of how much it depletes the high leverage factor in this bullpen because Trevor Richards has been incredible in high leverage situations and has been such a jack of all trade for John Schneider. I would rather see Casey Lawrence. That's fair. Once a week, giving us five, six innings know. than Trevor Richards. Uh, that's that's just me. I know it's an ugly. You're going to close your eyes and hope for the best every time he's on the mound, but that's kind of where we're at. That's, that's what I would do. It feels so desperate right now with this fifth spot not being filled but it is still crazy to me how even with that scenario pitching has still been just a ironclad door (laughs) just absolutely bailed out by the rebound from Barrios and Kikuchi yeah just absolutely bailed out Um, who's more important to this team this season's Trevor Richards or last season's Ross Stripling Probably last season's Ross Stripling. Just, I mean, I thought I could trip you up, but yeah, you're right. No, I mean, the numbers, you look at what Ross Stripling did last year for the Blue Jays, and it is freaking incredible. 140 innings and an ERA under thought I might catch you with the recency bias, but no, you're absolutely right. No trick question is Ross Stripling for sure. (laughs) I mean, this team right now without Trevor Richards would be up a creek without a paddle, and it would be, I bet you Trevor Richards has, has won a few games for this team where without him, they would have been just down and out, but 
Uh, this transitions perfectly into what we're about to talk about, which is Ross Atkins and him coming on Blair and Barker yesterday. He sure loves to say, I feel good. He loves to feel good about things. Ross Atkins, here's a tough question, and he will respond with, well, I felt good at the time about that. Ross Atkins can be a very frustrating man to listen to speak because he never sounds genuine. <laughs> like he just... Yeah. I don't even blame him. I know he's there to be the mouthpiece of Rogers communications. So how human are you going to get? But man, sometimes his answers, I'm just like, yeah, no shit, buddy. Like, Yeah. So he did sit down with Blair and Barker yesterday and you can go listen to it pretty much. Exactly there were what a few you think things, it's going to be. It's exactly what you thought it would be. There were a few things that stood out, which we are going to talk about. He did say he doesn't really see a scenario in which this team is a seller. We thought here, that already. I mean, here, here's the here's the quote that I'm going to pull from this. That, yes. I mean, reading the tea leaves here, but the, Blair asked, is there a, and he mentioned like Matt Chapman expiring contract. Is there a world in which you see maybe being both a buyer and a seller? Yes. Potentially. And Ross Atkins said, and this one stood out to me, that's an easy no for me. Yeah. Of course not. His He's on the hot seat. If they're a seller, yeah. he's gone. Yeah. He cannot admit that this team is needing to retool or rebuild or rework the lineup. Like, you cannot have a, another era like it has got to be full steam ahead or an absolute change of course does it not it's why he feels good it's why he feels good about everything like you're right you're nailing it dude how can he say anything else he's obviously on the hot seat he obviously has to produce results this season and if he doesn't i think he's gone and i know there's a lot of people that disagree with that that think that ross atkins and mark shapiro are tied at the hip but i don't think so i think as soon as there's a little bit of heat on on mark ross is gone i don't yeah okay i'm going to disagree a little bit i don't know that i don't know that he's on that hot of a seat other than yeah. i don't think he's around for a second rebuild like you better not be. But if you fail on one rebuild, I mean a rebuild of this extent too. I mean, they took over the reins at the end of 2015. So they've been in rebuild mode since like full on since 2018. They turned it around pretty quick, right? 20 since 2021. This has been a very good and fun team to watch. Definitely have not seen the promised land. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, it just sends the wrong message to be like, hey, we misstepped. We got to re, re anything is not good mm -hmm. for Ross Atkins. So now it's got to be full steam ahead. He also used language like, you know, the, the players on this team, we've built a good lineup. I have confidence mm -hmm. in these guys. They're starting to show signs that they're turning things around, obviously. 
not everyone's 100% satisfied with their personal performances, blah, blah, blah. I would also agree with that. Like, yeah. as much as it's a lame oh, thing to say, like, I mean, if I'm playing MLB The Show, the video game from this season, Blue Jays are one of the top teams I'm picking to play against. Like, mm. whoever, you know, it's the Mets, the Blue Jays, the Padres. Like, give me one of those stacked lineups. Yeah. And I think we are going to need to wait and see where Rogers communications is on the idea of adding more money. They are right up against the second luxury tax threshold. I think if they add $1.5 million, they bump up into that secondary tax where they're paying a little bit more. So we'll be, I'm curious anyways, to see whether they are allowed to do that because they really can't add all that much unless they do go over that secondary luxury tax line. Um, We'll see, I guess. We'll see. I mean, listen, when uh, GM Ross Atkins, he's got some big decisions to make. And he does say uh, that staying in a four man rotation with a bullpen day is not the goal. I mean, obviously um, that that would not be ideal. I think we can get through another turn or two feeling okay. So basically, and he I looked at I the feel schedule ahead too. and was like, oh yeah, we can limp our way through these bums. We, and I think they can. So it is going to be interesting to see what happens over the all-star break. Does Ross Atkins put himself on the map as one of the first organizations to make a move? Uh, or does he feel that they can limp through until August 1st? I don't know where he is on this starting rotation. He has stated that they want to go out and get something right. The obvious area would be adding a starting pitcher. And then he says, we need to balance that with the progress from Alec Manoa and Hinjin Ryu. And of course on Alec Manoa, he said that the expectation, I would be very surprised if that were not the case. And that was when he was asked if we see Alec Manoa again. So he does expect Manoa to be back. Uh, he says Velo is way back up. Nineties really excited about that today when he's talking about Ricky Tiedemann, who of course has been on the IL in the minor leagues with bicep inflammation. Ricky is throwing again. It looks like he's ready for some rehab starts. His Velo is touching that 98, 99 again is what Ross was saying. So that is good news. And then the last thing that kind of stood out that Atkins brought up was the fact that when it comes to Yasser Zulueta, who is going to be one of the Blue Jays, along with Sam Burst featured at the Futures game at the All-Star break. So Yasser Zulueta, he's been a full-time reliever in AAA over the last month. And Atkins said that Zulu is trending towards being a long-term relief pitcher so he has said that he's not completely ruling out him being a starter but at 25 years old it's looking like the bullpen is the route that they're going to take with him should we get into contracts did you have anything to add about what ross atkins said did anything surprise you he said not one thing i mean It is what it is. What do you expect him to say, right? Like, yeah. Okay, let's talk contracts, monster contracts. So, 
And this is all speculation. This was just something fun I heard on Twitter. Thought, the, if the walk-off think. fails and we have to start a new podcast after we declare bankruptcy, can we name the next yes. one? This is all speculation. With Scott this is all him. speculation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then we can just make stuff up. We'll have more. We'll have more uh, biting thumbnails, right? Real clickbaity stuff. It'll be a whole new world for us. Great. Uh, so this is speculation, but there were rumors that surfaced that the Blue Jays did actually go to Alec Manoa about an extension, and he turned it down. Where'd you and hear this? That, this was on Twitter from, um, I don't even believe it. I don't even believe it. I forget where it was. It actually wasn't that I incredible. This already. Enough. Okay. Continue. Sorry. Sorry. Well, I'm just yeah. saying like, even, well, forget, forget that then forget that. Let's <laughs> just say that it is obvious that the blue Jays could have gone to Vladimir Guerrero jr or Alec Manoa and uh, offered them a boatload of money already. Who knows if they have or haven't. I mean, these are considered cornerstones within the organization, a major part of the core. Obviously, if you can lock that up, that's something that a lot of organizations want to do. And that's all I was getting at, more so than they actually did it. So let's forget about even the speculation, but let's just say, I know you're laughing at me and I'm sorry. I just, no, no, no. Twitter, it's, it's there's a, just, a crazy just, thing and I can't remember everything. I'm, I'm already reading. reading the comments in our YouTube section before you've even finished yes. your sentence on this. So continue. Yes. All right. Yes. Twitter. Hockey bum 69. Again, I've walked says it back. Jays... I've taken it aside. Okay. All I'm saying is that, <laughs> There were opportunities for this front office to sign mega contracts. Okay, sure. Yeah, I will agree with that. Yes. yes. We could have and haven't yet offered mega contracts to at least three names come to the mind for every Blue Jays fan. Bobochette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Alec Manoa. Whether or not okay. they actually did is irrelevant for this conversation. However, Blue Jays and- bum 69 says... Yeah. Insiders telling him mega deal was offered to Manoa and he turned it down. Okay, we got the scoop here. We got the thumbnail already. Clickbait. Let's go. Sorry, Scott. I'm 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 just having fun with you. I know you're not. You're good. All right. Mega contract. All right. Let's go. <laughs> I just even know that there was some um maybe jealousy is the wrong word, but definitely envy when it came to Blue Jays fan base and watching Julio Rodriguez get his big re-up, watching Wander Franco. Hey, every time we have Hey Kami on the show, he's complaining that we are not able to lock anybody up. And he's always pointing to those guys. Everyone in Atlanta. Pretty much the entire roster in Atlanta has a mega deal. Truly. So my question to you is with all of these contracts and this front office's lack of them, Mm -hmm. do you think there's a philosophical no fly zone for the mega contract within the Toronto Blue Jays organization? And is that a bad thing? Uh, Yes and no. I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, I don't think it's inherently a bad thing. I think it can be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I think philosophical, philosoph- philosophical, there's the word. We got there. Philosophical, philosophies are good to have. 
but they shouldn't be carved in stone. Like, you need to make exceptions for exceptional circumstances. And I don't just mean in mega mega contracts, but just in general, right? Like, if you have the philosophy of, hey, we're in the playoffs, we're only going to let our starting pitcher go twice through the order. That's the philosophy going into game one. And then Gary Gossman pitches 18 up, 18 down. We're not going to let him go out for the seventh inning. Like, let's make an exception to that. He's got 18 strikeouts through six innings. Let's stray from philosophy. That's where I mean philosophy, if you adhere to it too stringently, gets you in trouble. Do I think that's the... Are they, as an organization... So Atkins, Shapiro, whoever else is involved. Are they philosophically averse to signing quote unquote monster contracts? These are the nine ish year contracts, give or take three years, right? Seven to 13 years. Let's just throw that out there. Mm -hmm. I think they are. Or we would have seen I think it by they now. are too. I think they are too. And I mean, if you look at their track record, the longest contract to date is Jose Barrios, which was five years with a player option for the final two years. So it's a seven year contract. Couple escalators in there, couple options. But seven years is the max that this front office has done. And like Adam said, there is no way they haven't had opportunity to do more than that. So you, you look with at J-Rod. Sorry, what was that? Do you have a problem with that? I at first did, but as time goes on and as more and more examples of these mega contracts start to produce results as to where they're headed, it just seems like it might not be the way to go. And there's still a lot of contracts out there where the verdict is, is still waiting to be heard. But I mean, we had David Sampson on the podcast last year. And I remember this was right when Seattle had re-upped on J-Rod. So they had just signed Julio Rodriguez six months into his major league career to that mega contract and baseball declared that a winner. They declared that contract, a big win for the Seattle Mariners. And there's a lot of reasons why it is, but when we brought it up to David Sampson, what did he say? He laughed and said, you guys are he crazy laughed. to even consider this early. It's way too early. Mm-hmm. So Julio he was not Rodriguez, having it by all. the way, two hundred and nine million over twelve years mm -hmm. was the deal. There's actually uh, all sorts of little escalators and stuff in that contract where he can get it all the way up to I think it's four hundred million dollars if he wins some MVPs and batting titles and there's a World Series win if if things go really well for the Mariners. Julio Rodriguez is a very, very rich man. It is a very complicated uh, contract. I got it up here on the screen, but 
Yeah, it's like a base of 18 mil a year. But then there's, based on how many MVP votes he gets, yeah. escalators, there's a bunch of options. It's, I know someone has showed us the the flow chart of the if-then uh, factor that broke it down nicely, but uh, it's it's a very complex contract, to say the least. Can, can you think of a monster contract that is a, a big-time winner? Ronald Acuna Jr.? Like you're, you mean like a no brainer, like a no brainer. The organization won that one by signing a mega contract. Um, because what's hilarious about the Ronald Acuna Jr. contract is that he signed at what was it eight years, one hundred and twenty million, something like that, and that has now become a cautionary tale to young superstars. It was like, eight million, or sorry, eight years, one hundred million. Eight years, one hundred million. A cautionary tale. That's really the only contract that's I would consider mega. You know, over that seven-year threshold that the Blue Jays are willing to go. That is a a clear winner, and I don't think there'll be another contract like that signed because. Acuna is taking such a bath on that. I mean, I'm not sneezing at a hundred million dollars, but let's face it, Ronald Acuna Jr. If he were to do it over again, would probably be uh, having a, a a Fernando Tatis Jr. type contract in his hand. Yeah, or at least a Manny Machado mm-hmm. opt out halfway through kind of a contract. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, okay, the Ronald Acuna Jr. does feel like kind of an unfair yeah. measurement of success because it's such a low ball. Yeah. I mean, Ozzy Albies is another one, seven years, 35 million. I know. Like, they're getting them for free. They're getting 18 home runs out of Ozzy Albies for free this year. Like, I guess, how do you say that's not a... I mean, $35 million doesn't feel like a mega deal, but we're talking about a contract handed out to a 12-year-old, basically. (laughs) Right? They were like, hey, this this kid is going to be good once he learns how to drive himself to practice. Imagine how good he'll get, right? Um, So I'm going to go down a list of names here, and you tell me if you feel like the contract has been a win or a bust for the organization. This rapid fire? Rapid fire. Okay. This is Albert just Pujols. gut instinct. Gut instinct. Yeah, gut instinct. Albert okay. Pujols. Can you give me the numbers too? Like total money and years as you go? No. Okay. Albert Pujols. Uh, fail. Yeah. And I think, I think the Albert Pujols like- deal was 10 years. 300 ish million. Yeah, it was, it was got like crazy. 45 home runs out of them over that time. One of, it was one of the first mega contracts handed out. Uh, Gio Carlos t- Stanton. Uh, ooh, okay. He signed with the Marlins, right? Yes. And then and they then traded, traded him to the Yankees. Mid contract. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I would have to look at the... I don't know this one. Because maybe if the Marlins got a haul in return, then that's a win. I don't know. I don't know what the prospects are. If they didn't get much in return, then of course it's a fail. I would say for the Yankees, but they didn't give him the contract that like they inherited it. So that's kind of a tough one. Um, it is a tough one. I'm just going to quickly pull up the trade here. Um, Miami Marlins trade for Stanton um, in exchange for three players. Who were the three players? Jorge Guzman, Jose Devers, and the next one isn't listed. This is a fucking terrible article. Starling Castro. Um, I don't know. I don't know enough about any of these guys to even make an evaluation. I'm going to say bad deal. Didn't work out. Zero World Series for either club. Did the that Marlins win World great... Series with Giancarlo Stanton, no. actually? No, it was no, it was before they won, they won before. their World Series well before that contract. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, and I think that's a really good caveat is that yeah, if you make these mega deals and it it flags fly forever, right? Then you can mm-hmm. definitely get away with uh the downfall of the contract afterwards, mm-hmm. right? But if you look, I, I, I'm just having a really tough time finding we can end it there just because I, I know that uh, maybe we need to move along here as we're getting along in the teeth. But no, this is great. I just, Keep going. We rapid fired two questions. Give me more. Give me more. Come on. Keep going. I'll go. I'll okay. go quicker. I'll okay. go quicker. The rest. OK. Manny Machado. Uh, Good for Manny Machado. Yeah, probably a win for the Padres until they re-upped on him, right? Yeah, but they also had to. I'm like, so curious, dude, where these mega contracts that have just been signed wind up being. You know, like it's so impossible right now for me to be like, hey, what do you think of the Trey Turner? You know, like it's impossible. Like if yeah. Trey Turner winds up helping the Philadelphia Phillies win a World Series, then it is going to be worth it. But if you just look at the fact that he is going to be 42 years old by the time this deal is over, it just seems like there's no way that that comes out on top for the Phillies as an organization. Yeah, I'm with you. Aaron Judge, same thing. Yeah, Aaron Judge is a huge overpay. Um he was doing good until he got hurt, but I think uh, get used to that if you're a Yankees fan. The one thing I will say is that if a mega contract does happen from this Toronto Blue Jays, I would love to see it structured similarly to the Wander Franco or the Julio Rodriguez contract where there are escalators. And yeah, if it turns out to not be uh, the most successful contract. It's a little bit easier to swallow, you know, like Tampa Bay really did a good job of insulating themselves from the risk with the way that they structured the contract and the increases and when the increases happen. It's basically, it's a mini Giancarlo Stanton deal. Mm -hmm. When he signed, it was six and a half Marlins paid it 9 million Marlins paid it 14 million Marlins paid it. And then by the time it was 25 plus, he was a Yankee. Yeah. Yeah. 
So he's getting 32 million this year as a Yankee, 32 next year as a Yankee, 32 as a like all it was so end loaded. That had to have been the intent all along was like, let's sign him to something tradable and then trade him. And that's mm-hmm. the Wander Franco contract to a T, just a more exaggerated version of that. Uh, Francisco Lindor's contract looks ugly. It does. Um, looks really ugly. Even even Carlos Correa's mini mega deal looks ugly right now. But uh... um, Mike Trout, four hundred twenty six million over twelve years. Uh, if that wasn't with the Angels, I'd say that's tough. Angels have zero playoff games to show for it so far. Yeah. Uh, Mookie Betts, 365 over 12 with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I would say that's almost the closest thing to a good deal. He is a phenomenal athlete, and the yeah. Dodgers have the... organizational structure to, like, cash in on that. And that's because of how good their farm system is. And I think right. you can say the same thing about the Freddie Freeman deal. I mean, both Betts sure. and Freeman, they are putting up huge numbers and have been worth it every single season, pretty much. They have both managed to stay healthy. I know Freeman not into the contract to quite the extent that Betts is, as he's on year one and a half right now, I think, yeah. with the Dodgers. But both of them have been nothing but success stories with the production that they're putting up to that contract currently anyways. So, okay, I've got the list. This is the, just on Spotrack. This is the t- top contracts by total value. So Mike Trout, bad. Mookie Betts, maybe good. Aaron Judge, almost certainly going to be bad. It's too early to tell officially. But uh, Manny Machado, um, $350 million over yeah. 11 years. There's no way that is good when he's... The Padres are dysfunctional. Yeah, they are. Is the biggest thing acting against them. Uh, the Mets, 341 over 10 for Lindor. They've got nothing to show for any of that. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., 340 over 14. That is an easy one to call uh, a cringy contract at this point. Uh, Bryce Harper, 330 over 13 for a... I don't know, DH slash first baseman at this point. I know like he might end up back in right field and that's the ultimate goal, but also Tommy John and I don't know if Bryce Harper will yeah, ever be the outfielder he used to be. Uh, Stanton, 325 over 13. That's a fail. Corey Seager, 325 over 10. He's only 27 years old Yeah, for the Rangers. That one's got potential to be good. Health uh, was a concern, but he has been healthy so far. Missed a month so far this season, though. Although he missed a month this season, yeah. <laughs> uh, 324 over 9 for Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is going to be old. I don't know. I think probably that Garrett Cole contract has been bad. pretty good for them. Yeah. Um, Raphael Devers, 313 over 10. That's a new contract. Too early to tell. Trey Turner, 300 over 11 for the Phillies. I mean, that Xander Bogarts contract Xander Bogarts, looks 280 over so 11. Far. That yeah. looks bad, yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Carlos Correa, 200 over 6. I don't know. Christian Yelich, 188 over 7. 
Jacob DeGrom, sure 185 over five. That's already a yeah. fail. Might not yeah. pitch another game. You sure need to know and feel confident in the guy you're investing in, eh? Like, it just blows me away, some of these contracts. Is there anyone on the Jays that you would feel comfortable with a mega deal? Bo? Mega deal being like... 10 years, $350 million. Probably Bo, if it started now. Mm-hmm. That's probably it. It's probably the list. Bo, more than Vladdy. I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, and it has nothing to do with the performance of Vladdy this year. Like, I'm not trying to say, oh, I think because Vladdy's had an off season that I think that he's, he's a bum and he's washed up or anything. I just, give me the guy with the more athletic body. If I'm. Yeah. Who plays shortstop. I mean, worst case scenario, I don't know, $350 million is a lot for a second baseman, though, if you do move them, you know, if that's the ultimate what needs to happen. I don't know. Yep. I don't know. It's But back to the main question about does this Blue Jays front office have any interest in doing it? I don't think they do. I don't think they do either. I think this was always the plan was... Let's, and it's uh, not that they're not afraid. It's it's not that this front office is afraid to spend money or lock a guy up for five six that's years. We've why, seen like, that. I'm okay with it is because they went out and spent every extra dollar they had while having Bo and Vlad on mm-hmm. discount contracts. So, all right, buddy, let's wrap things up here with the week ahead. So the Boston Red Sox are coming to town. 40 and 42. And I say, let's start the free fall for the Boston Red Sox. They, of course, swept this team the last time that the Blue Jays played them. They are 0 and 4 against the Sox. And man, would I love to see a sweep. I don't want to get ahead of myself. And obviously, just winning the series is the most important thing. But come on, let's turn these Red Sox into sellers. That's what I want to see. I want to see this being the start of the free fall of the Boston Red Sox, who have been a above average team most of the season, two games below 500 now. And let's, let's stop this ALE's craziness. Kick them off their perch. They're on a five game losing streak. Yeah, this is a real opportunity to, you know, blood in the water, Blood in the it's water. Killer instinct that the Jays haven't always had. I've been critical of them for not having it. This is an opportunity to like erase one extra buyer at the deadline. So mm-hmm. maybe even add a seller. And I'm not saying that the Red Sox are going to do a bunch of deals with the Blue Jays. However, you know, an expiring contract when you're not going to be in the playoffs, if you can get something, you know, a guy on my radar, especially with Ross Atkins coming out and being like, yeah, they probably do need to bolster the starting rotation. Big Maple, James Paxton, he is healthy. He is back in this Red Sox rotation and he has looked good, man. 42.1 innings pitched this season to a 3.19 ERA. I would love to see the big left-hander in this rotation i don't think that it's uh all that likely but if we can make the red Sox 
consider selling rather than sticking around. Sure would love to see it. Of course, Yusei Kikuchi taking the ball on Canada Day. On Saturday, he is going to be head-to-head against one of the best names in baseball, Cutter Crawford, taking the ball for the Red Sox. And then the Gosman cometh on Sunday. Thanks. Kevin Gosman, Gary Gosman, I should say. Gary My Gosman. apologies. Thank and, you. And Garrett Whitlock. So the Jays line up without a bullpen day against the Red Sox. I love that pitching lineup. I think that this is a great time for the Blue Jays to continue the bleeding of the Boston Red Sox, if you will, as they are on a five-game losing streak, like uh, Adam said. And then they head on the road for their last two series before the All-Star break, visiting the White Sox, and then on to Detroit to play the Tigers. I know an 11-game winning streak going into the All-Star break feels greedy. Hmm. (laughs) But man, would I ever love that. Yeah, me too, buddy. Me too. Red Sox, White Sox, Tigers. This is... I'm looking at the the wild card standings right now, okay? Mm -hmm. So... Blue Jays holding the third wild card spot. We got the Yankees half game up on us. Baltimore four and a half up on us. Houston is a half game back and the Angels are a game and a half back. We, of all those teams, we have the cakest schedule Mm -hmm. by a mile over the the remainder of the first half uh, leading into the all-star break. So Blue Jays, we're looking at Red Sox, White Sox, Tigers seven and two isn't out of the question, right? No, like a sweep and win both and like win the other two series. That's not Mm -hmm. crazy. I feel like seven or two, eight and one, we should be able to get that done. Um, Three sweeps. I know even against bad teams is a, is a big ask, but six and nine, I'm not going to lie. I'll be disappointed by like if they go, if in the next nine, they go six and three, uh, I don't know if I'd be disappointed. I know what you're saying, though. I, I I don't know if I'd be disappointed, but I think that's the bare minimum this team needs to do over the next nine games. Is well, five and four play. would be an absolute failure. Oh man, it um, would be so frustrating. Of course, it ball. will. Do- that's that's the thing. Even if they go five and four, you know they're still going to be right in the glob of things, and I just want the glob to melt away and be like, separation hey, look, here. The Jays are are up by two or three. Games so, here. So Baltimore's schedule. Remember, Baltimore has a four and a half game lead on us. They mm-hmm. played the Twins six times and the Yankees four times. Beautiful. That's. I mean, the Twins are below five hundred, but they're also like a little pesky. Those they're Minnesota a pesky Twins. Team. Uh, the Yankees, no surprise, have four games against Baltimore because that's how games work. They also have three against the Cubs, three against the Cardinals. If nice. nothing else, Baltimore and New York are going to get in each other's way a little bit over the next mm-hmm. nine games. So we'll take that. Uh, Houston, four games against the Rangers. Come on, give me that. Mm-hmm. Give me a four-game sweep by the Rangers, please. Yeah, And four games against Seattle, plus two against Colorado. Like... Houston, who's a half game back of us, this feels like in the next, they have 10 games leading into the all-star game. 
this could very easily be four and six. Yeah. That's not unrealistic. So if we go seven and two and they go four and six and we just put three games between us, I'll take that. LA Angels have the Arizona Diamondbacks, the San Diego Padres, and the LA Dodgers. Man, there is definitely some hay to be made here. You can right? definitely gain some ground going into this all-star break. My God, it would be so sweet to be a game or two back of the Orioles going into the all-star game. Heck yeah. Confident, rolling, coming off of Vladdy's home run derby win. Yes. <laughs> Let's see it. Full shush mode. Let's go. The second half is our <clears throat> oyster. Go Blue Jays, <clears throat> go. We'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Feel free to hit that like button. The grounds crew, you are appreciated. Remember, get it out there. Let the word be known. Edmonton, Long Roof Brewing, July 13th, the Thursday. Get your tickets. Walk off is the code to save yourself five bucks. The ticket link is going to be in the comment section. If you're listening on audio, it will be in the show notes. All right, everybody, have a great day. We'll see you Sunday for Long Toss. Take care of yourselves. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Walk Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening.